Hello and welcome to the From Way Downtown podcast. I'm Pacers editor Nat Newell at Indy Star. Here, of course, with Dustin Dopierak, our Pacers insider. Uh, Pacers are a week into or a week and a half into uh, training camp. Had their first two exhibition games that were not easily available on TV. Dustin did manage to watch both of them. Um, Thanks so to League Pass, I yeah. barely survived getting through that process. Uh, that's really something. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, moving on. And uh, so we'll, we're here to talk, do our first sort of in-season uh, podcast. Uh, let's start with the obvious, which is the defense. That's mm. all a lot of people want to talk about as the number one thing. Obviously, after they were not good defensively last year, mm. they have not been good defensively to, through two preseason games. Right. Just sort of break down what you've seen in that area. Yeah, I mean, haven't broken it down scientifically or anything like that, but it, it, it's some of the same issues. I mean, I, I think... I'm intrigued with this, where this new concept is going to go long term. Basically, the, the the idea, as we've been able to understand it in terms of what's different, um, is that Harry's Halliburton used the term more traditional. It seems like it's less sophisticated in terms of help defense, and it's kind of more trying to put you on more of an island so that you feel more of a sense of responsibility, so that you're not sitting there waiting for help to come and maybe not getting as up into your assignment as you need to be and so sort of forcing guys to take on more responsibility themselves. I don't know how that's going so far. Um, it's, <laughs> well, it's not you know, going it's not, well. It's not going the, great. we've seen on the court. It's not but. going great. I mean, I, obviously, there's, there, it's preseason. It's different. You're not you know, playing guys full four quarters. Um, you know, they're obviously throwing a lot of the two-way guys in at the end of the end of games. Um, really put a super young lineup out on the floor for most of the second half against Memphis. Um, so, and, you know, again, the, the main guys are only playing so much. Andrew Nemhart's been out with a kidney stone. He's one of your best defenders. Turner Ty- did not play at all Turner in the second game. Turner didn't play at all in the second game. Tyrese Halliburton hasn't played yet. Not that he's a great on-ball defender, but obviously he's able to end a lot of possessions by reading, you know, passing lanes and getting steals and those kinds of things. So all of that... Being said, um, they're still not great at stopping the dribble. They're giving up a lot of points in the paint. Um, you know, particularly Memphis. Obviously, is just, uh, Memphis led the league in points in the paint last year. Uh, but they got seventy-eight. <laughs> uh, they got they averaged fifty-eight a game last year, which was the highest number uh, in the NBA, highest average in the NBA. And um, yeah, uh, seventy-eight is a gaudy, ridiculous, goofy number. Um, so yeah, like. It's it's not great yet. I mean, you're, and you're still seeing guys that you're really hoping become better defenders uh, haven't necessarily become better better defenders yet. Let's start there with obviously uh, Bendik Matherin. Um, there's no doubt about his offensive talent, and he's playing better. I mean, on the offensive end, he's been pretty really good. I mean, the, the it's a lot of the stuff you already saw, but he's hit a couple outside jumpers, which is important. Been fantastic getting to the rim and finishing. Again, that's that's obviously his major skill set, but it's. He's but really, really the defense is something that he's talked about. Rick Carlisle has talked about needing to get better. Mm. I don't want it's two games. It's not only just two games. It's two exhibition games, two preseason games. So I don't want to go nuts. But it's mm. all we've got to go on. Right. What have you seen specifically from Matherin in terms of defense? Yeah, I mean, just I mean, it, it hasn't been awful, but it, it hasn't been great. I mean, like there's there's one in particular that stands out to me. Um, it kind of just overplayed uh, a pass. You know, I think Whitmore was kind of cut, cutting around the screen at the top of the key. And, you know, I think Matherin went up, like, hands up, really sort of acting like they were going to throw that pass sort of early in the process when he was still at the top of the key and just didn't follow fast enough, basically. And, and, and Whitmore just busted by him and got an easy dunk. Um, you know, that one kind of stands out to me. But I think as we were, we were talking off, like, I, 
he keeps saying like I want to be a great two way player. I you know he looks at Kobe and Michael and says I want to be that type of guy. And I believe him. I mean like it's not a case of he's not trying or he's not working hard or he doesn't care about defense. But it's really just get the, like the finer points still escape him. I think is, is is the best way to put it. It's it's not so much you know when you put him on an island, is one on one defensively, and that, the other guy's got the ball. He's going to care about it. He's going to give a good faith effort. But it's just. You know, when you're cutting around him, when you're running him into a screen, when you're screening him off the ball, um, he's not always great at knowing what to do there. He's not always, you know, totally locked into the switch he needs to make and the decision he makes needs to make when it comes to off the ball stuff. And I think that that leads to some easy layups that he ends up giving up. And you're like, okay, Ben, what were you doing there? And so there's, I think it's more of that stuff that stands out is just understanding the finer points of what his responsibility is. Um, he's, when, uh, I'm sure, he's a guy who's around. never yeah. had to do this stuff before he's, he's, he got to the NBA. I mean, I wouldn't go that far. Um, I mean, he's been asked and told, like, hey, you're going to have to guard. I mean, I, I know this because when I did the big piece on him, um, you know, last year, I mean, I talked to his coach at NBA Academy, and, you know, he said, like, Ben, you're going to have to guard. And, and and he told him, too, it was like when he was going to Arizona, obviously, when he got there, Sean Miller was the, the you know, the coach to start, and was just like, Ben, you have to defend. Like, you can't go play for Sean Miller and not guard. Um, you know, that's that's going to be a necessity for you in the next level. And, like, even early on, they, they were telling him the same thing. Like, hey, you know, like, if you don't guard, you're not going to play. Like, you, you need to step it up. And so he's been in a position where he's had to, but just every level is more sophisticated. You know, every level asks a little bit more from you um, in, in terms of what you have to do physically, but also mentally. And, and no, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of in the opposite scenario. Like, he's not... He's not great on the ball, but he's not bad on the ball. You know, whereas it's the opposite scenario with Tyrese is that he's so good off the ball, and he's not very good on the ball. You know, right now in terms of just navigating screens is really the issue. He gets swallowed up, and you really saw that in FIBA, and just especially with, with some of the bigger wider body guys that were setting screens. Uh, you know, the Valanciunas and whatnot. I mean, they're really able to swallow him up. But man, he made great reads off the ball. I mean, you saw just several plays, blocks, steals, stuff like that he made because he, he just knew where to be he knew what they were trying to do um and he just made smart reads in terms of how to get his hand on the ball and turn that into something in transition Matheson's kind of got the opposite thing it's just like when he gets twisted up you know in a screen or something like that or when, when he gets um you know when there's a lot of movement or whatever like he he can get lost he can he can get backdoored um you know and i saw there was another play he got um i, I think somebody else made the read and got a block at the at the rim but like it was very obvious a guy that was setting up for a backdoor, and he just wasn't in a place to stop it. And so there's there's those kinds of things I think are still an issue with him and and are, and are going to be an issue he's got to work through. He's got to be able to play on the ball, and that's important, and guard the guy who, you know, if he's trying to dribble at you in isolation or whatever, you can't lose him. But there's a whole lot of other pieces to it. There's a lot of sophisticated off-ball movement. He's got to get better at defending that. I think the positives are, number one, Rick Carlisle is well-known as a defensive guy. I mean, mm-hmm. and you would think he could figure this out. Yeah. Um, and then, and it, oh, I won't be afraid to admit, do what he needs to do to get the defense where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. And then, as we said, Turner didn't play last uh, last night uh, in Houston, mm-hmm. um, and obviously he makes a difference. Although they led the NBA in blocks last year, and that right. didn't help them. No, because uh, they got too many shots at the rim. I mean, right. that's the issue, and which is what's like, still happening now. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. No, they they can they they've got guys who can get up and block it, but I mean, they're, you're only going to get so many. You know, like if, if you're giving up that many layups or, or attempted layups, you're going to block some of those. But, you know, if you're blocking six a game and they're taking 20, well, <laughs> you know, or 30, 
<laughs> the other sort of, uh, not sort of, the other uh, issue that we've seen in, again, just two games, but two games, has been the shooting, mm. um, with one exception who we'll get to momentarily. Mm. Uh, but uh, is this just two bad games, or what are your thoughts? On, I mean, on I think it's, it's mostly, I think, two bad games. I think there's a couple other structural things that are not going to be the case, you know, going forward. Obviously, Tyrese Halliburton hasn't been playing, and Tyrese Halliburton is very good at opening guys up for open shots. And these guys are missing some open ones, don't get me wrong. Um, well, there's and, there's and, been some good ball movement. And, and Halliburton is also an excellent, excellent shooter, shooter in and of himself. <laughs> obviously a 40% shooter. Um, you know, Andrew Nemhard's been out as well. He's not necessarily a great shooter, but he's okay. And he's also going to be good at setting guys up uh, as a passer as well. Um, you know, whether now, pr- presumably the way things are working with Brown and Matherin and Tobin being been in the starting lineup so far, I do think that's how it's going to be. Uh, when things start, I think it's more likely that Nemhard is looking at being the second-unit point guard, um, and they're figuring out what they're going to do with him and McConnell and, and, and piece that together. Um, but you know, Nemhard can set guys up too, and and that makes so that all makes a difference. Um, you know, the fact that Buddy Heald was playing on the ball um, and getting a lot of point guard work last night, nine assists, two turnovers, which is interesting. But it was two of ten from the field, one of six from three. Um, you know, it's different shooting off the bounce. You know, uh, than it is when you're running around and, and getting free space and running around screens and and getting staggers and that kind of thing and, and getting driving kicks from Halliburton teeing you up. Um, it's different when he's dribbling at the guy who's guarding him man-to-man and he's trying to pull up in his face. Yeah, it's, different, their, it's a different shot. Two of their three sort of true point guards and Nemhard and Halliburton being out certainly right. <laughs> has an impact on that. Right, know. exactly. And they don't have a George Hill. Obviously, they can play Isaiah Wong, which they did late in the game. Um, but, you know, they don't have anybody that's played um, where George Hill had. Um, so they're obviously putting... Putting Buddy in that position to see how he does. I he thought he did okay at the point guard part of it, but he did not be okay with the shooting part of it. Again, it's just a different shot. You know, you're, you're used to taking threes a certain way and, you know, like running around, turning face to the basket, pull up, as opposed to, you know, dribbling at a guy and deciding when it is that you're going to, you know, cross up and maybe fade and try to hit one in his, in his face. Um, and, you know, he was trying to do that and did a, made a couple early, didn't make any after that. Um, so that, that hurts. When your best shooter, one of the best shooters in the NBA is one of six, that obviously doesn't put you in great shape. I don't think he made uh, a lot in game one. What did he do against Memphis? I feel like he didn't. Um, wasn't very good there either shooting the ball. And he did, again, was off, off, he was 0 for 4. So he's 2 of 10. So, or, uh, yeah, two, or I'm sorry, 1 of 10 so far from 3 uh, in two games. That makes a difference. Um, there, there are some other pieces. I think some of it is anomalous, but there are a lot of guys on this team that can make threes that you don't know if they always will. You know, <laughs> they, they can be very streaky as shooters. Matherin's on that list. Toppin's on that list. Miles Turner's on that list. McConnell's on that list. Bruce Brown's on that list. Jairus Walker's on that list. He hit four of nine the first game. I think he was one of six uh, in game two. Jalen Smith's on that list. Aaron, Aaron Neesmith, Jordan Nora. All of those guys are guys that are good shooters, have reason enough to take a bunch of them, but aren't lights out you know that they're hitting 35 36 and that's nice that gets i mean it's important that those guys shoot and those guys hit threes but they can't all go in the tank at the same time it's certainly possible and, and and they have done that and i think that's an issue but as you were saying there's one guy who shot it very very well and we were so. next up on the list is the rookies we'll start with uh shepherd um who's uh stepped up i mean just talk about what he's done in those first two games yeah no i mean i think uh he he got started early he definitely cooled in both games i think he was three of ten from three in the first game three of seven from three in the second game um but you i mean again you could just see it's important to see him see the ball go in the hole you know early in this stage to get in a you know in a real preseason game it's different than in summer league you know, where summer league you're still playing against a lot of guys that you were going to school with, you know, six months ago or, or whatever. 
all you know, it's mostly those guys, and, and, and mostly it's your NBA teammates that are watching you from the sidelines. Now they're actually playing with you. Now they're actually on the floor, and the games don't count. But still, you see a couple go in in in, in the hole in an NBA arena. It's like, okay, I can do this. Uh, so I think that's that's been the important thing for Shepard so far. I mean, obviously, I think he's still. You know, based on what he's dealing with, the wing's going to have a hard time getting a rotation spot. Um, but from what he's done, you're like, okay, if, if you you are forced to use him, you know, because guys get dinged up. I mean, even if someone doesn't tear an ACL and they're out for the year, you know, you, you miss a couple games. Maybe you get a concussion. Maybe you get a, a sprain. You t- tweak an ankle. You know, your back acts up. Stuff like that. I mean, this this stuff happens throughout the course of the year. I mean, there's only so many guys that get to play 82. Um, so there's going to be a time when Ben Shepard has to play some minutes. And I think the way he's played, you, you can you can trust him. You know, you could put him out there, and you can you can trust that he's going to hit some shots. Um, so that I think was big. I mean, it, it was it was really big in the Memphis game where nobody else was hitting him for him to kind of get going. And I think that sparked some other guys. Yesterday, uh, you know, uh, Tuesday, he's the only guy that hit more than one uh, in the enti- in the entire game. You know, everybody else, you know, was one of something. Uh, you know, a couple guys were over, uh, and you know. He's three. He's three of seven. Three of seven isn't lights out, but you know it's forty-two percent, forty-three percent. If you're three of seven every night, it's not bad to take that. Um, so, but yeah, it just looks really smooth coming out of his hand. Looks really confident shooting the ball, and, and you're getting the things I guess that uh, um, you know Ricardo was all, also raving about. You know, the other thing that they really like about him was hustle points. You know, just being able to run out and get chase loose balls, you know, play some defense but rebound. I mean, and you know, saw, saw an offensive rebound put back. He's passing the ball really well. I think him and Walker uh, really connect well. Both of those guys are willing passers and they're finding each other for shots and so I think that's uh, you know, that, that I think is important. That's helpful I think to what they're doing so far going forward. I want to go back to the, the, the Shepard and playing time thing but let's hit uh, Walker first. Uh, just what were your impressions from, on him from the first two games? Good and bad. You know, I mean, I think he's 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 been a very streaky shooter. I mean, I think you can see he looks comfortable taking shots. It, it, it looks pretty good coming out of his hand. I think it even looks better than it did uh, in summer league. I think it looks better than it did in you know some of the you know Houston film. Uh, I say film. I mean YouTube clips. I watched um, to get a sense of his game. I, I think he looks a little more comfortable shooting the ball. It's going in sometimes, not going in all the time, you know. But I mean, I think he, you know he hit four um, in the fourth quarter mostly on on Friday, and so or on Sunday. I mean, um, so I think the shooting helps. I think he handles it really well for a guy his size. He passes it really well for a guy his size. I think you've already seen that in summer league. You've seen a continuation of that. Um, you know, he he seems to be defending pretty well. He hasn't done anything that's blown my mind in the first couple games defensively preseason wise. But I thought he did a really good job in summer league. I thought you saw him do some great things on the defensive end uh, there. So you know it's there, I and mean, that's why they picked him in the first place. But I mean, he, he I guess he, he really fits well in the team concept. I think, and I think that's important. I, I you know he'll presumably be coming off the bench. Maybe he'll be second unit. Maybe he'll be after that, depending on what they do with Nora and how they work him in. Um, I imagine they're going to want to get some minutes out of both guys because I mean, they like both guys. I don't think they want to get rid of either one of them. Um, I don't think they want to get rid of Nora. Obviously, Walker's a, a, a deeper investment as a lottery pick, um, but I don't think they want to chase Nora out before you know they get some more production out of him, so I think there are going to be some split minutes, but I think you can put Walker in any scenario uh, and trust that he's going to fit it. Like He's not going to go in and, and need to be the guy. Um, you know, He's not going to need to be the centerpiece of everything. He's perfectly happy uh, moving the ball to other people, playing within the team co- concept, finding the shots that are his. What I don't think you see that stands out. I mean, I think he can rebound a little bit better. Um, but the other thing is for his guy, he's got as good a handle and is as strong as he is. You're not necessarily seeing the drive finish that you want to see. 
You know, I mean, like that, that I think should be a part of his game is if he's going to be able to handle and he's going to be able to take it in the lane and move and wiggle and whatnot, you got to get some layups out of that. You know, you got to get some dunks out of that. I, I think just being able to go up and attack the rim um, and, and be able to get some buckets that way. If you can cross people up and, and you can get space, you know, with the dribble yourself, create your own shot, you need to be able to finish the rim. I think he's got to be a guy that size, guy that athletic. You need to be a little bit better there um, than he's been so far. But I think that's possible. That's within his game. Um, but there's there's a lot of things I think that you, you, you really got to like about him. Again, I, I don't know. I don't think you're going to see him be a rookie of the year competitor the way you saw Benedict Matherin be in that discussion or, or be, I, don't, I don't know if he'll be first team all rookie because I imagine there's going to be guys that are going to get more buckets and the points is ultimately what stands out in terms of who ends up get, getting picked for that. Um, but I think you're still going to see a lot of really good signs in terms of what he can do on both ends of the floor. I have always loved guys who give you something that you don't normally see out of the position and he seems like he's got that potential with the defense and the passing Mm -hmm. um at the same time i mean he shot 35 percent or something like that in summer league summer Mm -hmm. league's not everything but you can't play if you shoot 35 percent from From the the field no you can't no matter what you do in the other thing so i'm really interested to see what he does um and then let's wrap all of this up in sort of one another one of the big themes which is the competition on the roster Mm -hmm. i mean we'll start let's talk about two other guys real quick in terms of uh who we don't know what their role is going to be, but who have, who've shown something. One is uh, T.J. McConnell. Mm. Didn't miss the first game. Did play last night. Mm. Um, you know, sort of take me through what he, uh, how he looked. I think he looked really good. He looked really good against Memphis. He was not quite as good against Houston, but I was really impressed with what he did against Memphis. Uh, he was five of seven from the floor. You know, hit a three, eight assists, no turnovers. Um, he just continues to be able to get that little five, six foot shot. I mean, it just it, it, it amazes me how easily he can get the shot he needs. Uh, I mean, it's almost like, in, in a way, it just reminds you of, like, you know, peewee ball uh, in, in a weird way because it's just like this guy's not very big. You know, he's not um, – it's not easy for him to finish through contact against some of these guys or, or, or body somebody up where you see that's where a lot of, you know, guys get their shots within the rim is just being back, be able to bounce off bodies and hang up there. But he's able, willing to just sort of keep going, get somebody to jump, turn around while they're in the air. Um, and hit a little five six foot jumper, and it's just a, it's remarkable just how consistently he can get it. He's still moving the ball really well. He's still defending. He obviously, he's got to defend smaller players, but when he's defending smaller players, he's doing a really good job. Um, and just again, smart seems just really he's really well conditioned. Like he is very clearly aware that he has to fight for this one, and that this is going to be different. And you know, I don't know how they're going to make this work. Because I mean, I think as, as far as a long-term investment, you have to put your money on Nemhart um, because you know McConnell's 31. Um, you have to presume that you're, but you don't want to um, take him entirely out of it either because I think you need to use him to get an asset. You know, I, and I think that's doable. I, mean, I think if you if you continue to show that uh, he's a pro and he is, um, and he can continue to score, create, get steals, play defense. I mean, you know, he's so much of what you want in the backup point guard with the exception of length, you know, is the one thing he doesn't have. Um, but he's able to play his game and play it well, and he has not lost a step. Not at all. And so it's just like, and, and he, on a team that's very, very young, um, you know, that, that lost some of the, they had a couple of veteran leaders that were wise old owls, James Johnson, George Hill, you know, they let both of those guys go. Um, you know, a lot of these guys have matured quickly. I think Halliburton's certainly mature for his age. Miles Turner, I think, is maturing a lot before our eyes. But um, you could use a guy like T.J. McConnell uh, in that locker room. So it's a, it's a tough 
place to be where but again Nemhard is the long term you know sort of investment that makes sense I think they believe in him a lot um, in terms of what he can be I think they think he's certainly ready to take on the second unit and be uh, a guy who's you know doing a lot of creating for others to put in a lot of ball handling positions um, and so they're not in a new spot to figure out what to do there when they signed McConnell I freely admit I thought he was just a guy mm-hmm. legitimate NBA player but just a, your routine normal backup mm-hmm. point guard but he's so clearly more than that mm-hmm. I don't know he's certainly not a star or whatever but right. he just does a little bit he does something yeah. in every game it seems like when he gets a chance that, sure. that gives you a boost so it's he's it's, absolutely one of those guys I mean, and, and it's what's fun about dig, really digging into the league and getting to cover the league it's like you don't really get if you're not watching a team up close, you don't necessarily see that or, or, or until you get into playoffs and when you see a guy like, you know, like Bruce Brown did for Denver, um, you know, in, in that finals run where you see these, these lesser-known guys that make these contributions, and you're like, wow, that's actually really important, you know, and McConnell is one of those that you're like, okay, from a distance, you just look at his stat profile or you just watch him, you know, for a short period, and you're like, ah, you know, he's a small guy, what's he still doing in this league? But man, like I said, so many things he does, and then there were games last year where he really keeps him in it. You know, like where where it's it's him running a second unit that puts them in a position to get back in the game. Maybe they maybe they're they're facing a team with a lot of top line talent. The starters fall behind. McConnell brings in brings him in and makes it a game. You know, and really turns up up with that second unit. He does so many things well, not just individually, but but commanding the unit. Um, that matter. I think he just ups the level of intensity there. And, you know, there were some games really toward the end where they just weren't going to let him lose. I mean, I think, you know, I know we made the joke in the press room that, uh, you know, like Carlisle said something about it's just competitive intensity. And and the next game, McConnell was out. And it was like, ah, I see. It's like like he's out because he's way too competitively intense for what you guys are doing right now, you know. It's like he's way too competitively intense to get you the seventh pick. Um, So, yeah, that... uh, he he has again. He he just hasn't lost a step. He's better, you know. Now that he can shoot, you know, reasonably well from three point range, and you've got to guard him out there, um, makes him so much better. Getting the hole and makes him so much better offensively. And so he's he's really at the peak of his game right now. I was a little disappointed that he started shooting threes because, um, again, in my quest for weird, quirky uh, <laughs> profiles, statistical anomalies. Yeah, the no block shots and no three point play and no three pointers made and no dunks and no oh no it was yeah it was dunks and uh, and three pointers yeah um, to have neither of those and play in the NBA mm. it's a really odd list of at this of, point of yeah. players yes um, and he used to be at the top of that list but now unfortunately he's turned out to be a forty percent three point shooter it doesn't take a lot <laughs> on, of them still on very slow on very low volume so he's still. still on that mm. list but he's not anywhere near as unique uh, I shouldn't say that because unique is unique he is not any more he's not as rare as he used to be sure um, but and I and I will miss that but mm-hmm. Aaron Naismith is the other one I want to talk about he had a, again one game I don't want to we, we can't go crazy about it but and in your story you noted uh, not only did he play well but he did some things that we did maybe we didn't see last year from him yeah he's another guy it's really hard to see a role for him yet <laughs> you see what he did last night and how can there not be yeah exactly I mean Neesmith in particular is I'm very much in the how can there not be standpoint I mean honestly they might in a way be competing with each other in a manner of speaking, obviously not playing the same position at all, but it's you could obviously put a, a lineup on the floor that includes uh, Nemhard, you know, McConnell the one, Nemhard the two, Hill the three, you know, uh, Nora Walker the four, and one of your centers, and Neesmith is the guy who gets left off. Or you could go bigger, and you can go, um, you know, McConnell or Nemhard at the point, Hill the two, Neesmith the three, Nora Walker the four, and you know your center. 
Um, and I think it, it's it, it. I thought it was very relevant what he did um, you know, yesterday. And I went back and, and you know we asked him obviously, would you work on in the summer in, in media day? And I wanted to check back on that. Um, and he talked a lot about drive and finish. And I thought there was, I, it was a lot there. He kind of added some wiggle. I mean, I think when and but he did note in, in his preseason, you know, his, his media day interview, um, that was important. He, obviously, when you're uh, as, even even as a stretch forward, a lot of times if you're operating that floor position, you're operating out of the corners. Um, you know, and he said, you know, I'm, I'm getting more used to playing above the break and and seeing that. You know, it's it's a different angle where you're driving the basketball from. Um, but I thought I was just real impressed with his ability. You know, change direction in the lane, keep the handle. You know, get up. You know, deal with the defender right in front of the rim and make a play around it. Uh, you know, find a way. You know, go one direction or the other with your hand. Um, and and be able to finish around somebody or through somebody. Um, and he did I thought a fantastic job of that. Seven nine from the floor, and a lot of that is going the bucket. Um, you know, he's a, he's a decent shooter, but I think he is what he is as a shooter. Thirty five, thirty six, thirty seven percent going to be streaky. Going to have nights where he's four of five, four of six, four of seven. We also have nights where he's you know two of five or or, or maybe one of four or one of five, and he's got to shut it down. You know, he, he's he's not going to be able to keep taking those shots, or he, it's a waste. Um, but you know, I mean, just again, the, the body control, the ball control, you know, the handle—it was just at a level that I didn't feel like I didn't see from him last year. He was just operating more like a two-three guy as opposed to a to a stretch four, and and that's relevant. I mean, I think he's—if if you put him on the floor and he can really score, um, that changes some things for your second unit. I think he ends up on the second unit because I think they are really heading in that direction of it being Brown, Mather, and Toppin, you know, two through four. Um, but if, if he's your second unit three and he can score and he can defend, that helps, obviously, if, if you have to shake the lineup up for whatever reason, if Matherin's, you know, so ineffective on defense that you got to move him back or if somebody gets injured even for a couple games. Um, if you can put him in there and you can trust that he can get his own shot, get his own buckets, you know, be able to go against the set defense in the half court, break it down and get to the rim, um, that really adds an element. Uh, and and you, you kind of forget, I mean, like, he was a real scorer at Vanderbilt. And he averaged 23 a game, and he shot it remarkably well, and that's a big reason why he was just a phenomenal shooter. And obviously, it was kind of small sample size because he got hurt. Um, but in that sophomore year, and the reason he got picked as high as he was, he was averaging 23. And you can't get that if you can't get to the rim, you know. And so, that's big. I mean, just just his ability to score that way, I, I think, matters. If he, if he can establish himself as a guy who can get you get get you buckets in the half court. That um, ups his value, and it ups his value going forward. I mean, I think they, he is a guy that they do see a, a long-term role for because they love the hustle. They love the defense. They, they like his ability to get some scrap rebounds. Um, they think they'll be able to rebound better at the three because where he's not as much of a size disadvantage as he was at the four. Um, but if he can also create his own shot, get layups that way, that can go a long way for him, I think. I think we have now had uh, 15 different guys who we've said on this podcast have to play. Obviously, mm. not that many are going the to play. the issue, yeah. What is, I mean, what are, are there, again, we're two games in. I don't want to make too big a deal out of it, but it's the one thing that, it, it's a thing that really jumps out at you from watching these two games. I mean, what are some scenarios to deal with that? I mean, is it, I mean, do uh, Walker and Toppin not play? You know, mm. do none of the backup centers play because Toppin needs to get minutes at backup center? Um, I mean, know. I think Toppin's going to start. I mean, I think Toppin's going to start. I think that they, they love the transition possibilities there. I, I think they absolutely want to see him with Halliburton. I, I think they believe they can get points that way. I mean, it's just, it, his, I mean, I think first bucket of the last two games. Of, of the first two preseason games has been him on a leak out. 
you know, for, for a dunker layup. Um, so I think they, they, they want to see what is possible here for them, their, them being able to run. So I think, I think Gobi's going to start. Um, and, and I think the, I think the starting lab they've had out there, you know, sub Halliburton in for McConnell and, and Turner in for, um, you know, Turner started the first game, but, but have him out there. I think it's Halliburton, Brown, Matherin, Toppin, Turner. I think that's who they want. I, I think that's the reason why that's what the starting five has been or, or, or what it is, it is shaped like, you know, again, you presume Halliburton's the starter because <laughs> they just, they're going to pay him $260 million. But, um, I don't like, um, so I, I think Obi's going to start and you're figuring it out from there. Um, so, and, and I think he's going to get his minutes up to four. So I, I don't think Obi's going to be an issue. I think they really want him to play. Um, he's going to have to be a liability defensively for them to pull him out. I think they really like what he can run, what he can do on the offensive end that much. So he's going to have to show that he can't guard. Um, before he gets pulled out of that job. And then Walker would have to presume that he's much, much better, or Nora would have to just absolutely knock your socks off. Um, so, I mean, obviously, from an investment standpoint, Nora is the furthest down the list, you know, in, in, in an organizational development. Like, Nora was a nice bonus. I mean, like, again, like, Nora was like, your buddy had to get rid of a couch, you know, to open up some space in his house to open things up, you know, because he needed to get his own new couch. He was just going to put that thing out in the street, and you picked him up. So that's... While the Pacers sort of look at him like a $20 bill they found in their pocket, it's also like it's not something they were invested in. So if Nora can't play, Nora can't play. You know, they'll live with it. But they, it, he's something nice to have. Uh, Walker, obviously, is, an, is a heavy investment. I think they view Toppin as an investment, even though they didn't trade very much for him, even though they only had to get rid of a couple seconds. I, I think they just really like what he does. Again, he is a lottery pick. You know, they, they didn't pick him as a lottery pick themselves. But he is one, and obviously for his last year or whatever, you've got to pay him lottery pick money, and then you've got to make a decision about whether or not um, you know, you're, you're going to keep him. But I, I just think they really like what he can do in transition, and I think they really like his capacity. I think they really want to see what he can do in major minutes, so I think he's a star. But from there, yeah, I mean, you just figure it out. I mean, like I, 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 you know, obviously there's going to be opportunities if, if you don't make the initial you know, first and second team there's probably going to be a time where you're needed. You know, I think McConnell knows that, that there's going to be a time, a time when he's needed. You know, Nora is a more interesting case. You know, Nora's obviously been stuck at the end of a bench before, and he might find himself really frustrated really fast, which might lead to not great outcomes. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what they do there. You know, Ben Shepard, I think they can live with the idea if he's not getting a lot of minutes early. I think Ben can probably live with that too as a rookie. That's probably what he's expecting. That's probably what everybody's expecting, but it's a case of, hey, Every once in a while, they're going to need you. And every once in a while, there's going to be garbage time. And, you know, you can take advantage of that. And so you're obviously pro- proving you can trust him at this point. You know, I would think right now that he's probably, in a manner of speaking, 15th in line. Um, but that doesn't mean he can't play. You know, that doesn't mean he can't end up getting some minutes. Um, and obviously, at center, it's just, it's still a mess. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, Jalen Smith looked really good, I, I thought, especially late. You know, and it's been odd because he hasn't. He's only gotten in the second half, so I think some of that is from a comp- competition standpoint from the second half against Memphis when Memphis was with the on their bench and the Pacers with the on their bench. But, you know, he did play a lot of the second half, you know, had some minutes against starters and second-unit guys. Um, and I, I just thought he was, looked real good in the third quarter yesterday. I mean, he kept, just kept getting these easy post-ups and looked real good just getting to a hook shot, you know, like just really looked really smooth in there. Um, you know, but, but you still have the other issues with the other guys. I mean, Tice didn't play in the first game. Was learning in the second game, obviously. Also, I mean, he he did everyone the good fortune of getting Dylan Brooks kicked out. Um, <laughs> he had had to take one for the team there in the most uh, real of ways. Um, 
so I mean, you know, you know, Tice can play, and you're, he's coming off of really good contributions to that German team. And Jackson still got that athleticism. It's tough to give up on. Um, you know, there's the ability to get up and finish a lob and everything like that. I, he hasn't been particularly effective in the first couple games. Had some foul trouble and whatnot, but I think he can. He's just hard got to give up on because you've seen his best flashes um, when he can really get up and dunk and rebound and, and block shots, and so he's just a hard guy to give up on. I just think they're going to at some point have to say, Jalen Smith is the guy. I'm not saying that that's who they end up on, but they're going to say X is the guy, and we just can't worry about this other stuff. You're really picking the guy you're you're willing to lose because uh, you probably still need two. You got to have two on the roster, right? Absolutely. And so you got to determine the direction you want to go there. Do you? Is it about picking between the two young guys? So you kind of know who you're moving forward with, and you pick tight, have Tice there for the emergency scenarios, or do you need to go with the two young guys, keep letting them play it out, and let Tice go? And, and, and it probably ends up being determined by who's your trade partner. You know, what does somebody else want? But um, it, it is an interesting scenario to say, okay, what? You're, you probably need two of these three to stick around. Who's the guy that you want to lose? And I, well, yeah, I mean, I, and it's going to be, can they, is someone going to offer them something for Tice? And then Jackson is clearly like, he's got, not that Smith doesn't have potential because he can shoot or at times has shown that right. he can shoot. But I think at some point you're just going to have to bite the bullet and say, we can't worry about this anymore. Yeah. You've got to lose this guy, and if he goes on, and he's, I don't think anyone's going to be a star somewhere else, but if yeah. he ends up being a good player, good rotation player somewhere else, we're yeah. just going to have to live with, have to live with, with, with that. Yeah, and, and the, what it, it drives you crazy because they give you two different things in very similar bodies, right? which is, is kind of odd. But, you know, it, again, Jackson... Right. There isn't a whole lot that's actually similar between the two yeah, of them. Yeah, it's very weird, even though... <laughs> in terms of games. Yeah, in terms of games. It's very, it's very weird that way. I mean, like, the, the, you wouldn't think of that of guys that have you know, kind of similar body types. But Smith is just a lot steadier. Um, you know, again, smoother with the basketball in his hand. You know, has the ability to hit some threes from time to time. Obviously, he's not a great shooter either, but he can hit shots. And he he's, and he's the best rebounder, even though it doesn't look like it. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't look like it, but he's the best all-around rebounder. He's the guy that gets the most. Uh, he just finds a way to get get you know his hands on the ball. I mean, Jackson's up there around the ball all the time, but he's not always grabbing it and pulling down. Jalen Smith generally is. You know, if he's got a shot at grabbing one, he generally gets it. Um, you know, probably better boxing at boxing out, better just nose for the ball, that kind of thing. Um, not that Jackson's bad. I mean, like, you look at their per 36 rebound numbers. Smith was at 11. Jackson was, like, 9.5, you know, last year. It's not a small number. Um, but, again, Smith being the best is, is notable, you know. And, and, again, you know, it's tough to say, okay, what do you – what do you need from a second unit guy? Because you do end up using, needing different things at different times. And, and that, that'll be the, part of it too, I think, is the matchups will matter. Situational matchups matter. And, and, and the thing is, sometimes it's like you don't know what you're going to need until you get on the floor. You know, do you need rim protection? Do you need shot blocking? Do you need a pick and pop three? You know, like what do you end up needing out of the position? Sometimes they don't know until they get on the floor and see that they're missing something and they got to put the other guy on. And that's been the case. And, I, you know, I. I the easiest thing to happen would just be somebody come in with a sensible offer for Daniel Tice, you know, and uh, make your make your life easier. Um, but it's and it's surprising me that they happen. You know, it's surprising well, me someone wouldn't. And wouldn't the other thing is, you kind of got to play them a little bit so that that's that no one forgets. Think, so that yeah. people will offer you something and not yeah. just wait for you to cut them. Yeah, I mean, you were hopeful. I, I think you were hopeful coming out, and, and I, you know, 
who knows what calls Kevin Pritchard's got, but you're hopeful coming out of FIBA that someone says, hey, that guy can still play, obviously. You know, he just won Germany a gold medal. I mean, there's Daniel Tice still a jet player. So you, you, would, you would think he's got to be worth at least a couple second-round picks to somebody. All right. Well, we got there's plenty left for this Pacers team to figure out. We've got two home uh, preseason games coming up. Um, that we'll actually get to see him in person. Fan Jam on Saturday. Fan Jam on Saturday. It's free. Uh, you need a ticket from the, the Pacers, but uh, you can go get your get a look at them uh, in person. Uh, but that's it for this edition of the From Way Downtown podcast. Go to IndyStar.com for all of our coverage. Thank you for listening.